and welcome to another episode of the Focus Seacast. I'm your host, Corey, aka Focus, and today I'm talking with Masher about tobacco. We're going to talk mainly about pipe tobacco and cigars and a little bit about pipes themselves. I recently got into growing tobacco a little bit more. This year I'm doing four different varieties, so hopefully I'll be able to spend some time this fall and winter drying it, curing it, and processing a little bit for my own pipes and cigars. And I know every time I post something about it, people are pretty interested. So I thought it'd be cool to get Masher on and talk a little bit about tobacco. Um, Before we start the episode, I just want to clarify, when I was talking about cigar brands, I mentioned Tabernacle, which is actually a line of cigars from Foundation Cigars. And um, they're a really good brand, so I highly recommend them. Without further delay, let's get into the episode. Not much, man. How are you doing, brother? Doing well, doing well. Um, I thought I'd have you on because uh, I wanted to do a podcast about tobacco, and you're definitely the man to talk to about that. Uh, you're the one who actually got me into um, pipe smoking again. I, I used to smoke a pipe back, you know, ten over, yeah, over ten years ago now, and but I never kept up on it. And uh, as a farmer who uh, who's been growing tobacco seed for I don't know five or six years now, I've only made chew. Um, but picking the pipe back up again has been nice. And then also I've been getting into cigars recently. So I know you have some experience with those too. So I thought we'd chat a little bit about tobacco and, and I'll throw in some of the farming stuff. And yeah, I think it'd be a pretty good kind of overview on, on tobacco, especially for people who don't know a lot about it. I always, every time I post pictures of uh, tobacco plants or something, I always get a lot of uh, interest and it's usually from people who don't have a lot of information or don't like they don't smoke. Um, and when we're talking about with tobacco, we are not talking about smoking cigarettes. So we're not talking right. about cigarette tobacco, even though it comes from the same plant. That's a whole different topic. So that's not. But that, I just want to give that disclaimer. Yeah, uh, we're going to be talking about almost every other kind of root of administration, root of administration of tobacco, except for cigarette smoking and inhalation. Um, so. The reason why I really get so into tobacco and the reason why it really checks the boxes for me is because it draws a lot of parallels to the canna industry and kind of the cannabis culture that we're all a part of um, or I've been a part of for, you know, the better part of my adult life. And, you know, when I tell that to people, they really don't understand. They really think of tobacco as cigarettes, you know, maybe cigars, um, you know, dip chewing tobacco here and there but they really don't have a good understanding of the concept of really truly what tobacco is and what it does and really how versatile it is um i'll go a little bit about how i enjoy tobacco and then i'll kind of start drawing some parallels in between that and uh the cannabis culture that um i really really found so interesting the parallels between the two it's it 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 really is neat but um First, I really like pipe tobacco. It really, um, it's a good kind of uh, bridge of the gap, if you will, from, uh, you know, all the strains of cannabis and hemp to really more or less the different variations and blends of tobacco. And there's, so tobacco, it's not so, there are strains of tobacco, but when you go and buy pipe tobacco blends, you're more or less buying blends of similar seed tobaccos and not necessarily like 
uh, strains that people, you know, make themselves and things of that nature. So what they do, kind of the creativity behind pipe tobacco blending is more so putting together components that aren't normally put together or used in a, a particular blend. And that's really more or less how you can express the different characteristics and textures and, you know, all, all the character traits of the different kinds of tobacco. And now going into that a little bit deeper, you can also, you know, do things such as stoving and pressing uh, in different ways that you can kind of coax more flavor out of tobacco that wasn't normally there uh, before you were doing those processing. So just for example, um, uh, pressing tobacco, it's similar to what you would imagine as a rosin press, but you're using a lot less pressure. And you're doing it for a lot longer and you're not doing it with heat most of the time. Uh, some of the time you're doing it with steam, but for the home blender, uh, you're more or less just doing it, you know, regularly without heat. Uh, you're just doing it for a substantial amount of time, multiple days, sometimes even weeks at a time. And what that does it is, is it, it marries the different tobacco components together and then it allows them to start to ferment when those juices kind of are all smushed together and they're able to be in the same place uh, for a substantial or significant amount of time, what that does is it starts to ferment the tobacco and it starts to bring out those flavors that you wouldn't normally see with fresh tobacco. Um, and, and again, <clears throat> you know, there's a lot of things that, you know, like aging tobacco, cellaring tobacco, that's something that is really um, an important part of the pipe tobacco or the pipe smokers uh you know, daily repertoire. And what that means is, is that people will buy blends and then they'll age them in, um, in glass jars, or you can age them in containers if they're, um, if they're sealed, some containers are sealed, some aren't, depending which manufacturer you're getting it from and which blender you're getting it from. Um, but a lot of the time, like if you're buying it in bulk, it's not sealed in any way. And then you just get it, you put it in the jar. You don't need to do anything special. You don't need to seal the jar more or less, but you put it in that jar and you put that in a cool, dark place, put it in your cellar. If you don't have a cellar, like I don't, I don't have a cellar. I live by the ocean. And I just put it in um, large Tupperware bins, the black and yellow ones that we all know so well. Um, so I will, uh, I'll use that and I'll, 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 I'll let the tobacco kind of mature uh, and, and kind of get those flavors married together for a while. Because a lot of these blenders, what they'll do is they'll blend tobacco. And then they'll just immediately send it out. They won't age it first just because it's a business. You know, they need to worry about production. It is what it is. But it also allows the consumer a little bit more flexibility as to kind of or more control over the tobacco smoking experience that they're getting from the blend that they're buying. Because you can age something for a particular amount of time and get a completely different taste and profile uh, from it from, say, three months than you would from six months than you would from 12 months. And a lot of that actually is dependent upon the sugar content of the tobacco. For example, Virginia, a lot of Virginia blends and a lot of Virginia seed leaf has high in uh, sugar content, sometimes up to 14. I've even seen them up to 20%. And what that does is it allows it to age really well. And you need that for those high sugar blends. Because if you try to smoke a high sugar blend like a straight Virginia, uh, that's real fresh it will, it'll bite your tongue. And that's just that sugar uh, getting real hot. And it, 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 it literally feels like your tongue's being bit. Doesn't hurt that bad, but it definitely uh, is not a pleasant experience. Um, so that's why it's so 
critical to understand the aging process, how to seller a particular blend, how to make sure that it's in, you know, the proper environment and a you know the proper jar, uh, not a salsa jar that you cleaned out and uh, you use to put stuff. I mean, a clean jar without any kind of, you know, smells or texture, anything in it, just a clean, nice jar. Because again, you're going to be smoking this tobacco. You want it to be the absolute top notch, highest quality, cleanest product you can possibly get. And the way that a lot of these blenders are sending their products out nowadays, they have to conform with a lot of the safety regulations in these different countries. And it, um, they're really making sure that there's not any, you know, pathogens or anything kind of pests in the tobacco. Uh, they do a pretty good job of that. But again, you still, it's still a, a, a it's still biomass. So you're still going to have to worry about, it, you know, mold and mildew and things like that. So you really got to be cognizant of, you know, kind of how tobacco matures over time, the proper environment to age it and things of that nature. Um, yeah. yeah so, okay. Well, I, I just want to jump in quick and kind of bring it back. And then, and then we can keep going with it. Um, but so like, so for tobacco, like you're not getting like a single, it's usually not like a single variety of tobacco where they're growing it out, harvesting it. And that just that single variety is being used, um, in a smoking blend because even on the plant itself, like, like you're saying, there's different sugar content and different nicotine content per the leaves on the plant as well. So a lot of, you know, harvesters will harvest the bottom leaves separate than the middle leaves, separate than the top leaves. And then you have different varieties. So, you know, there's a huge difference between like you were saying, a, a Virginia and like a Corojo, which is used more for cigars or something like that. Um, then also you also have the drying process and fermentation processes. And I don't think what a lot of people understand is like tobacco is usually aged for at least a year before it even hits like the blending process or, or it's even processed at all. Um, and then from there, you also have the drying processes too, that, that will impart either flavor, uh, of some, of some, you know, method like, you know, flu curing, which is using like some type of indirect heat versus fire curing, which has, you know, add some smokiness to, to the tobacco or just regular, just air cured, letting it dried. Um, so like all that plays a factor too, into, to how it's going to taste and look and smell. And so, I mean, you, it's, it's such a, you know, once you get into it, it, it really, there's a huge variety of variations with not only the varieties, but what leaves you harvest on those varieties when you harvest them and then kind of the, the drying and curing process. And then we can even talk more, like you were saying about sugar content, you have things like casing and topping and all that too, which is, um, you know, a whole other, um, discussion. I know neither of us are huge fans of aromatics. I think you probably smoke more aromatics than I do, but, um, I don't know. Let me get back to what you were saying before I, before I totally derail us. Because they're, they, they, they both have aromatic in it in the, in, in the, in the words, uh, but they're two very different things. I smoke English aromatics. I do not smoke American aromatics. American aromatics are more in line of toppings. So what they'll do is instead of casing a tobacco, they'll just add toppings on top. And that usually has propylene glycol in it as a flavoring agent. There's a lot of things that make American aromatics not um, very pleasant for somebody who really appreciates the taste of quality tobacco. 
now, English aromatics is different, and I'll tell you why. Uh, it's because English, they used to have the English purity standard from, I think, like, like, like the 17 or 1800s. And what that entails is tobacco cannot have toppings on it that are not naturally occurring substances. They cannot be man-made or man-manipulated uh, and then added to the tobacco later on. If it's a completely uh, natural substance like deer tongue, that can be added in. And that's not necessarily a topping. That's more or less adding another component to the blend. Now, the reason why I like English aromatics, like, for example, Bob's Chocolate Flake, is because it's using um natural substances to enhance the tobacco smoking experience and it's doing it in a way that doesn't turn the tobacco into a sludgy mess or taste artificial uh, or give you that nasty uh you know cheap gas station cigar type taste in, in your mouth it, it's it's really there's a huge difference between the two and english aromatics is is it is in my opinion uh one of the hardest um uh, 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 subsections of tobacco blends to get into because it's they're really there's no like one English aromatic might be completely different from another. For example, Bob's Chocolate Flake is completely different from 1792 Flake, and 1792 Flake is flavored uh, with tonka beans. Again, a natural substance, but it, it's it's very different from uh, cocoa powder or cocoa substances that they use to enhance the flavor of Bob's Chocolate Flake. Again, all natural won't get all goopy and gross in your in your pipe uh but still aromatic yeah so i just wanted to define some terms before we you know keep talking about it because i know a lot of people aren't going to follow kind of what we're what we're saying but when we say casing just means when the tobacco leaf is fully dried it's usually fermented or aged um, casing is just something that is put onto it or it's dipped into it's usually alcohol like bourbon or rum or maybe a sweetener like honey or molasses. Um, and it's not, you don't want to get, they don't want to get the leaf really super wet. It's, it's just a way to kind of up the sugar content or to help those alcohols break down the leaf some more. And then when we're talking about toppings, we just mean like, um, you know, they can either be artificial or the natural flavorings that are usually after the actual tobacco leaves are blended. Those are added afterwards. Not always, but that's usually how the process goes, right? Am I, am I correct with that? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. So um, when people talk about like aromatics, a lot of times they mean that there's an extra flavoring put on top of the tobacco. Um, and then we were differentiating a little bit between the English, which are usually natural things like cocoa powder or um, you, you mentioned deer tongue, which is a plant um, that has like kind of a vanilla-y flavor when you burn it. Um, those would be like natural toppings. And then unnatural ones would obviously be, you know, artificial flavorings and stuff you know we all know how that um you know like a gas i don't know everyone does but like yeah we like a gas station cigar that's flavored like the old grape white owls or something like that <laughs> uh, or or like how people are you know vaping is uh pretty popular now that's that would be like if you just added basically the flavoring from from a vape onto a tobacco blend that would be a a, a horrible aromatic um <laughs> But, but yeah, so I know you were saying you, the aromatics you smoke are mainly the English types. I don't really smoke any aromatics. Um, I do smoke tobaccos that are cased though. Um, especially stuff with like honey, um, a lot of the time or, or some molasses or something like that, but even that is usually not the case. Um, you know, I like, I like my Virginias, my Virginia Periques and, and that kind of deal, but, 
but yeah, so I thought we'd kind of move on to the whole pipe making and the whole um, kind of, you know, artisan and, um, you know, that whole thing, because pipe making is a huge, huge part of uh, the pipe industry in general. Absolutely. Uh, and one real quick, you know, a little bit tidbit of information before we move on to that. Uh, ben Crosby's favorite uh, a pipe tobacco blend was actually a deer tongue blend. And uh, it's uh, definitely one that either hate or love it. It, it brings a new level of uh, appreciation towards natural tobacco and really what you can kind of how you can manipulate it with you know different herbs and plants that might be growing uh, in a certain environment. Yeah, so the pipe making industry and the pipe collecting industry is really, it, in my opinion, for me, it's half of the equation of really the the experience, the pipe smoking experience. And the reason I feel that way is because there's countless shapes. There's a lot of different um, carvers and, you know, people really trying to engineer these, uh, these pipes into, you know, real works of art that change and kind of can manipulate the way that the pipe smoking experience really kind of goes along with the blend that you're smoking and i'll give you an example uh for a for virginia's i like to smoke out of something called like a chimney or a stack type uh shape and what that is is instead of it being a short squat bowl it's more cylindrical and tall and what that does is it allows the sugars and all of the natural flavors of virginia blends it allows that to really be appreciated in the smoking process, right? And that's because it's the shape really, and and, and this is, you know, it's up for debate. It's, 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 some people will say it's common knowledge. Some people will say it's not. I've had this argument with a lot of people. I'm in the camp as to it does affect the smoking experience, the shape versus the blend that you're smoking. Um, for example, like for like um, a Latakia blends um, or like any English, right, that has a lot of Latakia in it or a lot of components. I usually go by the more components a blend has, the shorter and wider the bowl should be. So for something with a lot of different components, with a lot of Virginias or Burleys or a lot of different types of tobacco kind of all put together in one blend, I usually find that a short squat fat bowl usually works best for getting the best flavor profile from that particular blend. I mentioned the Virginias and kind of smoking out of a chimney or a stack type shape. And, you know, it really, for me, that's really my favorite part about pipe smoking is looking at my cellar and figuring out what pipe t tobacco blend I want to smoke today and what pipe I want to match it with. And that is the funnest part for me is, is, is looking for new shapes, looking for new carvers, looking for new artists who are, you know, been, been, you know, carving pipes for years that are daddy carved pipes or granddaddy carved pipes. Uh, it's a family tradition. And it, it, it really, it, it's cool. It really brings you home and it allows you to experience, um, you know, things that you haven't experienced. For example, I feel almost cultured because I've been able to smoke pipe tobacco blends from 
all over the world and pipes made from all over the world. And that's because there really isn't the, you know, like if you're a cigarette smoker, you have a choice of American cigarettes to smoke. And if you want to smoke something that's not an American cigarette, you have to, it's a specialty cigarette. You you have to go to a tobacco store. You have to order it online or it's really, it's an, it's, it's a process. Whereas pipe tobacco, it's different than that. The marketplace uh, is 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 a is 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 a place where there's a bunch of different blenders from all over the world, all selling their tobacco, all selling their blends in one particular place, like SmokingPipes.com, uh, a Cup of Joes.com. All of these tobacco merchants are selling blends from blenders all over the world, and it's really cool smoking an English blend from a pipe that was. You know, made in England by, you know, a particular gentleman who, you know, is, is famous for making pipes. Uh, he passed away 20 years ago. The pipe was made in 1974. You bought it at an estate sale, uh, you know, for a good deal. And it is just so it, it's if you're a sentimental person like I am and you really find value in 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 the story aspect of things, then pipe smoking is a never ending experience of, of just excitement because it, it never ends um, there's always even if i never bought another tobacco blend or another pipe from today moving on every time i pair a new tobacco blend that's in my cellar with one of my pipes that i haven't done before that's a whole new experience for me and that whole new experience might open the door to wow i really like that combination let me try smoking it faster, shorter. Let me try a different pack method and really diving deeper into what that combination can really give you. And, and again, it's, 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 it can go so deep with this. It's, it's hard to convey in words to somebody who doesn't understand or doesn't know the pipe tobacco industry and, you know, the, you know, the community aspect of things. It really, if you don't understand it, 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 it's a hard concept to convey with just words. Uh, but I, I'll say this, the pipe smoking community, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on Instagram, whether it's in person via like pipe clubs, um, you know, it, 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 it's, it, there is such a sense of community there. There's a lot, you know, we trade tobacco with one another. We trade pipes with one another. It really, it, it's, 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 a sense of community that you don't find in a lot of other industries nowadays. And it's sad that it's slowly dying uh, and not necessarily uh, finding new life with new smokers. And the reason for that, I, in my opinion, the reason for that is regulations. Yeah. Uh, it, it's so hard to be able to blend new you know, tobacco blends and then bring them to market pay all the fees for, you know, the FDA, you know, whatnot to check it out, and, you know, give you the, you know, government thumbs up approval. And, you know, it just, it, it, it's such an arduous process nowadays that you're seeing less and less um, new tobacco things, you know, coming in, into play. It's really more or less just new variations of old, old techniques and old methods. It's not necessarily a lot of, new you know trailblazing going on in the tobacco industry which is really unfortunate yeah i want to say that the historical aspect of it too especially with the pipe making it goes on like 
and that's hundreds of years old. So we're talking about like the 1600s, you know, to today. So that's, that's, that's a pretty long history. Um, and then like you're saying all across the world. So, I mean, even if you want to collect pipes just made in America, I mean, between corn cob pipes, briar carved pipes, uh, applewood carved pipes, I mean, it's, it's crazy. And then as soon as you start looking further out, um, I mean, it's, yeah, it, there's people who like, that's, they just collect pipes and they don't even smoke because <laughs> it's such the a story. The stories that they tell, not just the, from the, the, the person who made it, but the person who, you know, if you bought it at an estate sale, you know, a pipe could have been somebody's best friend for 30 years who, you know, went, went, went with them wherever they went, you know, shared experiences with them, shared happiness, shared loss with them. And then that person passed away and, you know, their kids now are holding this pipe and they don't know what the hell to do with it. So they put it up on eBay or they sell it at an estate sale for pennies on the dollar. You go buy it and, you know, you've got this amazing piece of history in your hands that that is, is if, if it could talk would tell you just the, the craziest stories man and again I, for someone who's sentimental pipe smoking and pipe tobacco is just the the a never-ending uh you know fountain of you know sentiment for you it, it yeah. really is you, you can just go so deep with it um it, it's just it's the coolest thing yeah, yeah, especially it's for the for the contemplative person, especially because it's I that's what I do a lot of times at the end of the day is like I'll just sit outside. It's a nice day and just smoke my pipe for forty five minutes or an hour, and it's just I don't really try to not to think about anything or, you know, I'll just watch the birds or you know kind of just look around on my property, and it's just a nice nice way to end of a day. Um, but yeah, I totally agree with the with everything you had to that's say. Well, I was just gonna say that's the difference between pipe tobacco and and smoking a cigarette. Smoking a cigarette, you're doing it not necessarily because you like the taste of it. It's because you want you know you're looking for that nicotine. Uh, you're looking for that 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 you know that that jolt of nicotine. Whereas pipe smoking, the, the nicotine's just an added benefit to it. It's it's the experience. The you smoke a pipe for the experience. You don't smoke it for the nicotine, and that's the difference between the two. And if you go into pipe smoking trying to just get a nicotine buzz you're not going to stick around for very long because it's not this is not the place for you uh if it if you want a new hobby that is 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 rich in history that is rich in in just countless you know ways to be personalized by you then you know it, it's definitely worth a shot but also when you're smoking a pipe it takes a while for you to actually get it to the point where you're enjoying the full process of it. You might have a good smoke every now and again, uh, but it, it's going to take a while to learn how to smoke a pipe. It's not easy and it's not intuitive. Uh, it, it takes time to learn how to pack properly, how to tamp properly, when to tamp, how to light, where to light, how, you know, there's a lot of different things to learn and it can affect the experience in a way that put a lot of people off. And it's unfortunate because you don't have a lot of people's like, for example, my dad smoked pipe. He taught me how to smoke pipe. His dad before him taught, taught him how to smoke pipe. A lot of these people now who want to smoke a pipe don't necessarily know anyone they can ask. So they'll go on YouTube and they'll watch videos and they'll look at forums and they'll really try to over, you know, overcomplicate the process. And then when they go to actually execute what they've learned online, 
it turns out that, you know, it wasn't the, uh, you know, the satisfying experience that they had thought it was. And all I ask for people that are in that situation, just give it another shot, you know, keep on trying it because you will eventually figure it out. It'll click for you and it will be, it, it's for me, it's one of the richest parts of my life. And one of the things that I really find a lot of value in and something that brings a lot of happiness for not a lot of money. And uh, it's it's something that definitely uh, is is a part of me. And uh, when I die, I'm going to have my favorite pipe with me and I'm going to give the rest of my pipes and tobacco to my friends that will appreciate it. Yeah. And also, it doesn't have to be an expensive hobby either. I mean, you can get yourself a nice, you know, $12, $15 Missouri Meerschaum corn cob pipe and a, and a decent, you know, just Virginia blend and, and a cheap, you know, pipe nail and just a big lighter. And that that's a good way to start, you know, and absolutely, yeah. And that, and that corn cob, if you take care of it, man, that, that'll last you a long time, a long, long time. Well, funny thing, that corn cob might cost us $12 here in the States, but for people in Japan and, you know, in, in other countries that, that, that smoke pipes a lot, they don't have corn cob pipes that, like, you know, they do here where we can buy it at like CVS and things like that. They have to buy it online. And for them, it usually costs them 30 to $50 for a cheap, you know, five, $10, you know, corn cob pipe. So just because you, it's not an expensive pipe, doesn't mean that it's not a really good pipe. Yeah, Missouri, exactly. some of the best pipe smoking experiences that you can get from a pipe of any value. It doesn't matter if it's a ten thousand dollar pipe because they get that expensive, uh, or a hundred dollar pipe. It's you're going to be hard pressed to find something that smokes better than a Missouri Meerschaum corn cob pipe. It's just they just smoke really damn good, and it's. You know, the only reason that you would want anything else other than that is just because you want to start collecting pipes. If you want the best smoking experience that you can get, start with a corn cob pipe from Missouri Meerschaum. That's the best way to get into this hobby without spending a lot of money and getting a really good product and getting a really good introduction. Uh, and then, you know, you're not buying some, you know, Chinese pipe off Amazon that, you know, is who knows what if it's even made of wood it could be made of you know just it's all kinds of you know china (laughs) Uh, (laughs) some plastic composite or something i don't know but yeah i've i've gone into some smoke shops and see when they don't have like a a, you know missouri museum or or even like a doctor grabo or something like they'll have some chinese off brand and i'm just like i don't even want (laughs) to i don't even want to look at that because i have no idea no idea but I'll tell you, Missouri Meershams are 100% made in Missouri. Uh, it, it, it is, it is really cool because it's, it is an American brand that is still doing what they've been doing when they started. And they, yeah. it, it is the coolest thing. And again, it, they it literally is, grow their own corn. It, they they grow their own corn. They have they, the varieties that they've bred. Yeah. They bred their own kind of corn that is good for pipe making that is how cool it is is that they put in the work and they didn't put in the work 10 years ago they put in the work hundreds of years ago and they're still reaping the benefits and they're still innovating they're still putting out new shapes they're still putting out new designs and they're still doing new collabs with you know blending houses like cornell and deal they are still a modern company doing it right 
and I cannot say enough good things about them. I definitely, definitely recommend Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipes. Doesn't matter which one you get. They're all of good quality, and they're all an excellent value for your bank account. Exactly. All right. Um, is there anything else you want to touch on with pipe tobacco? Because I wanted to go into uh, maybe cigars next. Uh, you know, I, I can go on and on about it. Uh, let's move on to cigars. And then uh, maybe on a future episode, we'll go a little bit deeper into uh, pipe tobacco and uh, pipe smoking. Sure. So, yeah, um, I started smoking cigars again. I used to as well smoke cigars. And I just like went on a huge um, Connecticut wrapper kick. So I've been smoking a lot of Connecticut broadleaf. I've been trying to find actual broadleafs that are grown here in Connecticut, which is actually fairly difficult. Um, One of the things that I think, well, one of the things I don't like about the tobacco industry is it's hard to figure out where uh, the tobacco originally came from. It's getting better. And a lot of the companies now will say like, you know, um, like we're a Nicaraguan based company and our, our tobacco's grown in Nicaragua. Well, yeah, sure. Their wrapper might be, um, you know, or maybe the filler is, but the binder is Indonesian or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and a lot of times when you have a company that says we use a Connecticut wrapper, either Connecticut shade or Connecticut broadleaf, that doesn't mean it's grown in Connecticut. It's just, that's the variety, um, which a lot of people don't realize either. And I didn't realize for, for years, um, but I used to smoke like moneymakers cause that's what my grandfather smoked. And those were actually, uh, Connecticut broadleaf wrappers. I believe, I don't think they were shade. I think they were broadleaf, but you know, I had to do a little bit of digging lately when I was, uh, researching, you know, tobacco, cause I wanted to actually get some, some wrapper from Connecticut and it's still, it's hard to find, um, the companies, uh, one of the giveaways is if they say they use Connecticut wrapper, and it's a reputable cigar company that's a real premium cigar company, that cigar will be pretty expensive. Um, you're looking at like a $10 cigar um, because Connecticut wrapper is still like one of the highest quality wrappers, if not the highest quality wrapper um, on a cigar. So that's kind of how I got into it again recently. So um, yeah, I've been smoking, smoking a lot of Connecticut stuff. Um, and then it's been cool trying to in trying to track down those companies, I've actually learned a lot about the cigar industry and a lot about tobacco growing and a cigar manufacturing as well. So that's all been like super interesting. Um, but yeah, as there's, I, I'll, I'll let you jump in and I don't know where you want to start with this whole cigar thing, but that's kind of how I, I started with it within the last year. Yeah. I love smoking cigars and uh, they really make, you know, the uh, enjoying quality tobacco on the go a lot easier. Uh, you don't have to bring your pipe kit. You don't have to bring, you know, pipe cleaners, a light, you know, all the things you need for smoking a pipe on the go. You don't need to bring that for smoking a cigar. So it really brings a lot of, you know, portability to it. Uh, I really enjoy it. My thing with smoking cigars versus pipe tobacco is cost. Um, a good cigar is 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 you know you know can range anywhere from you know two or three dollars you know to fifty sixty dollars for a single cigar uh and you know you're getting a a high quality cigar for the money uh but the thing with me and cigars and it's a love-hate relationship i'll go through phases where i'm you know smoking you know two or three cigars a day sometimes to where like now i haven't smoked a cigar all i don't think in the past week 
Um, although I'm going to smoke them after I get off this, this call with you, uh, sitting here looking at it. And, um, it, you know, it really is, you know, because it, I've bought in cigars that, you know, were really expensive and I shouldn't have spent all this money on. I open the cigar pack up and it's got a crack in it or, you know, it's got a problem to it. Or, you know, there's a lot of things about smoke. I, a good cigar is, is unlike anything else I can explain. It is a really rich, satisfying experience. Uh, smoking a good cigar with your buddies or in a nice place and a peaceful environment. Uh, the reason why I don't get as far into cigars as I do pipes is because one, there's, there isn't that concept of the pipe itself. So that kind of takes away a factor of the experience that I really value. Uh, the, the pairing the tobacco with the pipe, you know, that that's really something I find a lot of satisfaction value in. Uh, but for the most part, cigar smoking is something that I really more or less stick with the same or stick with what I know and stick with what works. I really like Toscano's. Uh, they're an Italian cigar that is made with Kentucky uh, dark leaf. Uh, or Kentucky dark fired leaf. And uh, it, it, they're other uh, uh truncated so they're kind of uh, it, it, like rolled at both ends and then kind of like thicker in the middle um and it, it it's called a truncated roll is, is is the way that they do it and uh i really like those you know they're middle of the line as far as price they're you know you know two to five dollars per cigar uh they're really good experience smoking it they taste good they give a really good you know satisfying you know wallop of nicotine uh, it, it's just, I'm, I, I don't get as deep into it and it's just, it's a, one, it's a matter of cost Two, it's a matter of, you know, actually being able to customize it. I can't really, you can't really do much with the cigar. You buy a cigar, you can smoke it and it's done. Whereas you can buy, you know, different kinds of tobacco home blend, you know, blends yourself, share those blends with your friends. Uh, you know, you can grow your own tobacco. You can do all that stuff. It's hard to do that and do it with cigars. And that's one of the reasons why I haven't gotten as far into cigars as I have other way, uh, other kinds of tobacco, other forms of tobacco. Uh, it's something, again, that it, it, it's more so, I don't want to say it's a rich man's sport, but it's something that if you are, you know, a little bit more, you know, money conscious, it's not the... Uh, it's not the best tobacco product that you can get for your money, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, I, I'm going to second what you said about like spending money on a cigar and it doesn't, hasn't been that great. I bought like a sampler pack, which was all um, Connecticut broadleafs that were actually uh, grown in Connecticut. And one of the cigars, I probably sp I didn't spend that much because it was kind of like in a sampler deal pack, um, but it, it was from a good brand. Um and the cigar itself had like decent ratings, but I did not like it at all. It tasted acrid. Um, it like, it made like a film on my teeth. It just was, it, you know what I mean? It's just one of those cigars that was not good or I, I just didn't like it. And, you know, I probably spent maybe like five or six bucks on it. So it wasn't a ton of money, but for five or six dollars, like I would never buy that again. I wouldn't even give it a second chance. You know what I mean? So there is that aspect of it, but 
I mean, if you find a good brand, definitely stick with them. And I'm going to second Toscanos because Toscanos are good. Um, the nice thing too, is you can cut them in half, which most people do. So you have a $2 cigar cut it in half and it's, you know, takes about 20 minutes to smoke it, uh, half an hour or something like that. So it's a good, good deal for your money. And, um, they don't need to be put in a humidor, which is another thing. That's a little bit of a pain about cigars. You have to keep them at a certain humidity. Um, so, you know, I just use like half gallon Mason jars and Bovita packs, but you know, for somebody who's just getting into it or they want a cigar that they can just bring wherever with them or share with some friends, Toscano is great. You know, you don't need to put it in a humidor, cut it in half, smoke it. Um, and the tobacco it's actually really good quality. Um, it's, they only use two types of tobacco. Um, one is grown, grown in Tuscany in Italy. And the other is, uh, I think it's, it's Kentucky dark fire, but I think it's grown in Tennessee by it's like on the Tennessee, Kentucky border, but that's the only really, they might use another one, but all their tobacco is grown in either Italy and, or in America and it's good quality tobacco. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, like I said before, a lot of companies, um, especially like, you know, C Cuban cigar companies, while they like, everyone thinks Cuban cigars are great. Um, like half the time, like most of the tobacco is not even from Cuba in there. So, um, yeah, just, just keep that in mind. <laughs> the only reason we think that Cuban, uh, cigars are so great is because we don't have access to it. Like other countries do. So yeah. it's one of the type things. Yeah. Or uh, we didn't for a lot, for a long time during the embargo. So it was more like, a, Oh, cause you can't get it. Um, it must be good, but, the, and obviously they, Cuba does have a rich history of, um, tobacco growing and cigar making. And there are some great cigars out of Cuba, but it's not, it's not necessarily, uh, worth the hype. So, um, yeah, d definitely do your research. I'm just going to throw out a couple brands cause get, find a good pipe tobacco. If you just buy tinned t pipe tobacco, you, it doesn't really matter what brand you get. It's going to be decent more, more or less. Uh, but as far as cigars, like it run, it really runs the gamut. So Roma craft is really good. Um, Tabernacle is really good. Um, Toscano is really good. Um, I think those are like the three that I've smoked the most of. And then, um, who, who does the Excaliburs? Cause you, I know you smoke the, the blacks, right? Uh, yeah, uh, they are, uh, I'm looking, uh, I'm looking at the packet right now, uh, is that that's that's punch right or no punch doesn't do the excaliburs i don't know uh punch yeah, is good too uh, though uh punch is, is, is these are punch but they're made uh hoya day sk uh it it's the hoya one <laughs> hoya you know, yeah 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 it, look up hoya excalibur you know <laughs> i will cigarettes and, and it's something that a lot of people don't uh think about or a lot of people don't appreciate one of the best uh value cigars that you can buy that are available in the united states uh something that i actually smoke a good amount of i, I probably smoke more of these when it comes to cigars than anything anything else it's backwoods um a lot yeah. of people yeah. a, a, a backwood is the american equivalent of a uh of a cheroot, which is like a Toscano or kind of like those uh, wild, you know, wild, uh, I forgot how they phrase it. Uh, like wild rolled is the way that they, they, they are like natural wild. Or like free, freehand, freehand rolled. There we go. Yep. 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 That, that's yeah. what it is. And whereas they are not 
processing the tobacco leaf and getting out all the veins and stuff. It, 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 it's the natural freeway to do it. And uh, I'll tell you, backwoods are actually good. The non-flavored ones are actually pretty good cigars to smoke. And not only that, backwoods sells pipe tobacco as well. And all that is is the tobacco that people will find in their backwoods cigars and throw out when they use it for other purposes. That same tobacco they're throwing out is sold as pipe tobacco from backwoods uh, at a premium price. And so it's good tobacco. It's, it, it fits good enough to be smoked in a pipe and sold as pipe tobacco, then it's good enough to be smoked in a cigar for sure. And uh, it's one of those cigars that is really easy to find because of their other uses and how prevalent that is. And uh, if you're looking for uh, a good quality cigar that is 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 available to you, you don't have to go online, you don't have to buy it online or have it shipped from somewhere else, uh, is, is a good quality natural backwoods. Not a flavored backwoods, but a natural version of it. Uh, those are actually pretty damn good. And in other countries, uh, those backwoods are actually sold at a, a pretty steep price. Like, for example, uh, Toscanos are pretty expensive for us here in America, whereas in, for our people in Italy, they're the equivalent of backwoods for us here. And it's it's the same for them. Like, if they want to buy backwoods, like a, a backwood for them is the equivalent of a, of a Toscano for us. So it's, it's all about where you're at. Just like where those uh, pipes, the Missouri Mearson Corticop pipes are expensive in other countries, but cheap to us here. doesn't have anything to do with the quality. It's just more or less logistics and things of that nature. So definitely, I do recommend natural backwoods for somebody who is looking to get into cigar smoking and they want to try something that's actually have has some quality to it. Not a lot, but some. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was actually listening to, uh, I think it was a podcast with the, one of the, one of the um, either partial owners or one of the higher ups in Toscano. They have like 90% of the market share in Italy for cigars. Um, and that's ge like general uh, brick and mortar sales. So yeah, yeah, it is, it is like they're backwards, which is kind of funny. Keep <laughs> in Italy. Like I, I was talking to somebody on forums and I, I think for American, I it, like it was, less than a dollar per uh 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 either two pack or a three pack so that's 50 cents at most uh per cigar whereas if you're buying that same cigar here in the united states that's going to be a five six dollar cigar so yeah it, it really doesn't have so much to do with quality as more to do with logistics and things of that nature yeah yeah import tax and all that great stuff um but yeah so i thought that was a pretty good overview um I'm definitely, so I'm growing some tobacco this year. Um, I'm growing five different varieties and uh, I'm, I'm going to try to come up with, um, and I'm going to, I'm going to say this and hopefully I can stick to it, but if everything goes well, I'm going to come out with a little growing guide and a little curing um, guide as well, because honestly, like there's a lot of information about growing tobacco, but there is not a lot of good, concise information about how to actually dry it and process it and use it at small scale. Like there's basically no information unless you're digging around on a forum somewhere with a bunch of like older gentlemen who are very knowledgeable, but uh, there is definitely a generational gap. So um, I'm hoping to come up with something um, either like this is, this is future plan. So it probably won't be out until like winter or the springtime, 
um, when I've actually grown and processed and, and smoked some of it to say this, this method actually works, but I'd like to come up with, um, you know, a little guide. So, uh, hope everyone keeps an eye out on that and I'll definitely be sharing pictures of my grow and the process and all that. So yeah, something, something to look forward to. Yeah. Growing tobacco is definitely a, a new challenge for me as far as, you know, growing it at the level that I was growing other products at. Uh, it, it's, it's not as, uh, you know, cut and dry as, as, you know, growing a lot of other plants are. It's definitely has a, a, a bit of a learning curve to it as far as, you know, germinating them properly and, you know, taking care of the plant. So it's giving you the best possible you know, tobacco leaf that, you know, it, it, it can give you and it can provide to you. It's definitely not the easiest thing in the world and something that I uh, am, am really interested in, you know, you know, getting better at and, you know, growing new varieties. And eventually I'd like to get to the point where, you know, I'm making my own varieties and I'm, I'm, I'm learning more about how, you know, breeding tobacco works. I'm still in the infancy of just learning how to grow it properly. So I'm, I'm still, you know, quite a ways away from that, but it's definitely, you know, it, it checks the same boxes as, you know, growing and breeding hemp and cannabis does for me. And it's something that I'd like to explore further and uh, try to at least bring back, you know, to popularity within my circle of friends. Right now, the only other person that, you know, I really know, talk to on a you know on a personal basis that is in tobacco as much as i am is you um so i i i like to expand that and uh expand our love for tobacco to people who you know love other things that we you know were a part of and uh because again there's a lot of parallels that you can draw between the hemp industry cannabis industry and the type the pipe tobacco industry or just the tobacco industry as a whole. Um, one thing I will mention to you real quick, and we can go into this further on, on, on another episode, um, is that there's a lot of other ways to enjoy tobacco other than just smoking it. Um, I had mentioned about uh, dipping tobacco and oral tobacco. That in and of itself, there's a lot of subsections of that you have pasteurized Swedish snus, you have fermented American dipping tobacco, uh, you have chewing tobacco. There's a lot of different ways that you can use oral tobacco, some healthier, some safer than others. Uh, and then you have nasal snuff. That's also something that you, you know, is not popular at all these days in America, at least. Uh, that's legitimately, you know, putting powdered tobacco mixed with some kind of salting agent and some kind of um, like calcium carbonate or, you know, sodium bicarbonate or something like that to freebase the nicotine and allow it to be absorbed into your body without smoking it. Uh, it, it there's a lot of different ways to enjoy tobacco other than just smoking it. Uh, those are two that I just mentioned. There's a lot more we can go into a little bit more in depth on, on a future episode. Uh, but I, I will mention uh, for me, if I'm looking for a nicotine fix, I use nasal snus. If I'm looking for an all-day tobacco product that I can use without uh, it getting in the way of interacting with people and you know going inside, things of that nature, I use a lot of Swedish snus for that. Um, it's oral tobacco. It you know you don't have to spit. It, you know there's no spitting involved. Uh, and then. You know, if I want to enjoy tobacco on the go or I want a nice jolt of nicotine, 
uh, I'll use nasal snuffs for that or nasal snuff for it. Again, tobacco has a lot of different ways to be enjoyed. I like to not pigeonhole myself and only use it one particular way. I use tobacco in a lot of different ways of administration and each one of them has their own benefits and uh, I love them all equally. I mean, I, I truly, I, it, tobacco is truly one of the things that I value most in life. And it's weird to say uh, to somebody who doesn't understand, you know, what I'm talking about, uh, you know, I say tobacco, people think cigarettes, and that's not what I mean. Like the, the concept of tobacco in and of itself and all of its, you know, you know, all of its ways that it can be enjoyed and all the variations and all the, you know, personalizations that can come from that really make the tobacco enjoying experience uh, a, a never ending, you know, chasm of, of possibility. Yeah. I agree. Um, I'm not so much on the snuff or whatever, but, <laughs> but, uh, next package I send you, I'm going to send you uh, some sweet South American, uh, pure South American Virginias. Uh, so it, a Virginia seed that is grown in South America, uh, that it's also got some burley in there, but it's just past steam pasteurized. It tastes like you're literally, it, 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 it's like, it's just perfection. Uh, I really think that that is going to really get you uh, hyped up about Swedish snus. And then I'm going to send you some a, a different variety of nasal snuff that isn't going to make you sneeze. That's not has no flavoring to it uh, that I know will change your mind. Um, I know it. I know it. All right, I'll get I'll give it a shot. But uh, I, my last experience was not good. So <laughs> just, just put it that way. Um, but yeah, so it's good. Good talking with you as always. And uh, I don't know if you want to drop any plugs before we leave. Um, uh, yeah, real quick. Definitely check out uh, my tobacco page on Instagram, uh, Carolina Pipe and Tobacco. Uh, I, also, if you're looking for uh, pipe tobacco or, or you're looking for you know, smoking or, or, or smoking pipes to, you know, enjoy tobacco in and you really don't know really what to get or, you know, where to buy it from. A very reputable site is smokingpipes.com. They're an American company. They're down here in uh, South Carolina. Uh, they blend their own tobacco um, under the Cornell and Deal brand. And uh, they're just a really good company. Everything that they sell is, is of quality. And, you know, they have things, you know, ranging from $5 to, you know, five ten thousand dollars $10,000. So it, it's, you know, if you're buying something from smoking pipes, you can rest assured that it's a quality item. Uh, cupofjoes.com, same deal, uh, a different owner. Uh, Cup of Joes is actually owned by Sutliff, uh, which is uh, in Richmond, and they're owned by Mac Barron, which is in another country. But um, regardless... Uh, cupofjoes.com, tobaccopipes.com, smokingpipes.com. Those are three very reputable sites to buy from any of your pipe tobacco needs. Uh, definitely get it from there. Uh, if you guys have any questions about tobacco or you have any questions about you know nasal snuff or Swedish snuff, where to buy it, how to use it, uh, you want to try a sample of it or anything like that, definitely hit me up uh, on Instagram at uh, Carolina Pipe and Tobacco. Uh, I'm 
I can talk for, for days about it and uh, nothing would make me more happier than sharing, you know, this, this hobby with people that haven't yet experienced it and then find value in it and I can turn into a, uh, a tobacco connoisseur like me and you are. Yeah, if anyone has any growing questions about tobacco, definitely feel free to uh, message me. Um, and I know, I know, we'll be, uh, I'll be giving some more information on that too as I, as I do it this year. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. All right, man, it's good talking with you. Absolutely, I'll see you on the next one. All right, that's it for this episode. I'd like to thank Masher for coming on. As always, you can find me on Instagram at Focus Seeds or visit my website, focusseeds.com. Focus is spelled P-H-O-C-A-S. And if anyone's interested in growing some tobacco, I currently have some Virginia tobacco seeds available on my website, and hopefully this fall I'll have four new varieties as well. Happy growing, everyone. <laughs>